praise be to my children. I love you. Oh, oh God, oh, man, what? Is this your shortest fight ever? In any time, amateur, professional ever? Assalamu alaikum, Maida. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, Lennox Lewis, Lennox, I'm coming for you. Mike, is it frustrating to train like you did and then have no, this I, in I seven or eight train seconds? For this fight, I only trained probably two weeks or three weeks for this fight. I had to bury my best friend, and I dedicated this fight. I wasn't going to fight. I dedicated this fight to him. I was going to rip his heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. There's no one can stop me. Lynx is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody as ruthless. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from Nairclaw. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. Are you saying now, Mike, that Mike? But you make these comments. Let me say, you say Tennyson knocks out Javante Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tennyson, I believe, is retired. Yeah, 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 he is retired. Yeah, he's retired. So I said to you, the top of my game, I'd have been I have no shame in standing by that. I don't care if people say you wouldn't have. I think I would have. You know, we will never know. So I can say as much as I want. And if it winds people up, so what? At the top of my game, I believe that. And if you know you're boxing, come argue with me. If you know you're boxing, don't waste your time. You know, and, and that's it. Tennyson, what I said about tennis, I said, with that kind of power, if he touches my man on his chin, he's gone. It's he's gonna beat him up, right, and deal with him. I'm thinking, if you're a fighter and you can land them kind of shots on somebody, you're gonna knock him out. I'm not saying he would have done, I'm just saying he had that power to do it. That's it. If I'm saying things like that, the devil's in the detail. Don't, 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 don't jump on the clickbait. Not a clickbait, but you've got a history of saying things, bizarre things. Bizarre. There's actually, actually a parody account on Twitter. Is that actually you? Probably. <laughs>
he gets the opportunity of a lifetime. This is this is Rocky in a way, isn't it? This is Rocky one. <laughs> you got a guy who had a day job, he gets sucked into this world that, you know, seems bewildering to him, right? And the opportunity to change his and his family's life. And I can understand why boxing fans are there going, yeah, this is a real Rocky moment. This is a real Rocky situation. Except it's not. And so here's the thing. When somebody in boxing has won everything that is possible to win, six-time national champion, fought in the Youth Commonwealth Games, ABA champion, has fought for his country on numerous occasions, was considered one of the five best amateurs in his intake, bearing in mind his intake included guys like Isaac Dogbo, Joshua Boatsy, Prince Patel, um, Josh Kelly, Chris Congo. These are his peers, by the way. And he was considered one of the best of that bunch coming through. So the question you should be asking yourself as a boxing fan is, what the hell went wrong? You're a big lad. I mean, you've got size. You're not a bad looking guy. You can fight. You're tough. An engaging guy, not, not overly, you know, humorous or anything. And there's no baggage. There's no criminal record. There's no dirt. There's no scandal. You're actually a good, clean-cut guy. And we know that model works because it's worked with Chris the Gentleman, Billum Smith. It's worked already. So we know in the, in, the, in the hearts and minds of boxing fans, this works. So why didn't it work for Jack Massey? You can't blame Dennis for that. Jack's been a pro six and a half, seven years. What was happening before that? If, if after 10 years, you've got 21, 22 fights only, what went wrong? Because you can't blame Dennis for that. Dennis wasn't there. You know, Dennis wasn't there. In fact, Dennis gave you belts. Belts you'd never had as a professional. So when I hear this story about how he's been hard done by, I'm struggling to understand the whys and the hows. So let me, let me replay my story in terms of Jack Massey, because I think I've done this before. But just so you understand that I'm not new to the Jack Massey story. So Jack, as a kid, boxed at Buxton ABC. The guy who ran Buxton ABC was the father of my friend. Um, may Gary rest in peace. So I've known that this kid Jack Massey was coming through since I met Matt Thompson back in the day. We used to work together. And he'd tell me that there's this kid Jack Massey who's pulling up trees. And my attitude was always, yeah, I hear this all the time. But you'd go back to London and say, there's a kid Jack Massey. What's he all about? And he was known. Because I mean, he was beating kids that we knew. And he was competitive with kids like Josh Boatsy. Don't forget that he was competitive with Joshua Boatsy at a time when it looked like Josh may not lose an amateur bout. And so Jack Massey's on the radar. And we're talking 2010, 2011 at this point. This is a long time ago. And then he kind of falls off my radar because other things get in the way and I'm abroad. I come back. And from a Fitzroy Lodge perspective, we've got big Aussie going through. 
in the ABAs, and we've got Rick Slew going through in the ABAs. Um, there's hope with Aussie, there's expectation with Rick, because Rick's in good form. So we know at some point, if we get to the final, we may have to fight this Jack Massey kid. So that's when you start to put the feelers out and find out who, you know, what's it, what it's all about. And so we do. But at this time, you're thinking highly of Jack. This isn't a guy where you're like, ah, mate, he's a bit of a plodder. No, no, you, you like, this guy's got pedigree. So in 2013, this is who Jack Massey is. In that ABA year, where, as I said before, you had Josh Kelly, you had Prince Patel, you had Isaac Dogbo, you had Nick Webb, you had Felix Cash was a finalist in that year. Uh, Chris Billum Smith, obviously, as, as Jack's opponent. Those are all names you've seen as boxing fans. You've seen all those names. You know all of those names. And you know them better than you know Jack Massey. That's a fact. You know those names better than you know Jack Massey, pretty much. If we look at the, the national picture. That's not Dennis's fault. Dennis, that had nothing to do with Dennis. The fact that you know all of those other kids more than you know Jack Massey is not Dennis's fault. So he wins the ABAs. And normally what happens at that point is you jump in the GB system. Now, I don't know if they rejected him. I don't know if they just said, nah, you're not the guy for us. No idea. Happy for someone to, to correct that narrative? Cool. But he wins the ABAs and three months later he has his pro debut. And you wonder whose idea was that? You're a 20-year-old kid. Like you can, you can go and get the GB vest do a couple of years, build the profile up like Chris Congo did, like Echo Esterman did. These are all peers of Jack Massey. Kesh Ashfak, peers. And then coming through just behind him were the McCormack brothers. All names that you know, but not Jack. Why? Who's Jack's, who's Jack's manager back then? Who knows? We, fans didn't know who he was back then. They know, definitely not going to know who the manager is. But you're there with, I think he was trained by Bobby Rimmer and his son at this point, right? Because they've seen something. He's promoted by Steve Wood. And like I said, you name me his opponents in the first five fights. Yeah, you know what I mean? You just, all you're doing at this point is you're plucking out random names like Moses Matovu, who, who everyone had to go through. Kent Kapanen, Blaze Mendo. You know, the guys that every cruiserweight went through. And he circulated that sub-area level for absolutely ages. Three and a half, four years? circulating at that sub-area level. Why? That's not Dennis's fault. Who was promoting him then? Who was managing him then? Who was selling him the dream then? Who was making sure he never had to be a scaffolder then? Why is that never talked about? Why doesn't Jack Massey name and shame those people? Because chances are they're the people who are still around him now. But one man, 
One man got all the blame. One man is responsible for, for someone's career going wrong. One man is responsible for the unhappiness. The same man who gave you the belts that no one else was offering you. The same man who got you belts when you were like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Now you can say, well, Terry, mate, mate, come on, mate. He just never got the chance. He never got a break, mate. Never got the right platform, did he? Well, <laughs> funny you should mention that. So, however Steve Wood was able to swing it, Frank Warren ends up taking a punt on the kid. Says, okay, you've been a pro long enough, man. Let's, let's get you in there. So what shows would Frank put him on? Maybe he'd make him box in Telford. Maybe he'd make him box in, I don't know, Norwich on a Greg Steen show. Just to see what he's about. You know, maybe he'd do something. Like just a small hall show, see what Jack's about. No. Sends him to Leeds on a Warrington card. It may have been Warrington versus Dennis Chalen. And I, that was at the same night that Tyrone Nurse boxed as well. That's where Frank put him. Yeah, he didn't put him in a small horse show. That's where Frank put him. So, so Frank takes a punt on Jack Massey, puts him on a lead show. Jack's amongst his peers, by the way. Um, guys like Sam Maxwell, Jack Bateson, um, Leon Woodstock, Zalfa Barrett. These are all kind of his peers age-wise. But he was the shining light in all of this. I mean, Frank gave this kid bail. He said, look, I'm going to bail you out real quick here. That's what I'm going to do for you. Here's an opportunity, Jack. You don't remember him being on that show. Do you see what I mean? You don't remember him being on that show. Yeah, this is a theme now, isn't it? So let me ask you a question. Do you remember where you saw Jack Massey next? Didn't think so. So, so Jack Massey, the guy who's been hard done by in boxing, the guy who hasn't had a platform, the guy who's never had a chance to, to be on the big stage, where does he box next? He boxes on the Tyson Fury comeback against Sefer Seferi. Yeah, Jack boxed at the, the Manchester arena. Is it still the MEN? I don't know. Jack boxed at that arena. Do you remember who he fought? I'll save you. Ian Timms. No idea who Ian Timms is. <laughs> you're five years into your pro career. You're still fighting guys we don't know. This isn't Dennis's fault. Who's managing you? Who, who's taking care of your best interests at this point? And why have you not been stepped up? You're an ABA champion. You've, you've boxed at international level. You've been a dominant amateur. Why have you not been stepped up? Why has no one asked this question in all of the analysis and all the sob stories? Why weren't you stepped up? At this point, I still don't blame Jack Massey. It's the people around him. Who's giving him advice? Because by this point, Isaac Dogbo was flying. He took his career in his own hands. He was flying. Josh Barty's come out of the Olympics and he's smoking people at a higher level. And he gave you a head start. Chris Billum Smith is now flying. Lawrence Coley, Jesus, he's come up the blocks and he's soaring. And you're still a make weight on a Tyson Fury card. But it's a big platform. Here's a chance for you to build the Jack Massey brand. 
like, like I said, like how many of you were even thinking about Jack Massey before the Joe Parker fight? Not many. So he's been he's been on the Warrington card in Leeds, um, Tyro Nurse, Jack Cattrall, etc., etc. He's been on the Tyson Fury Sefer Safari card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So then you're like, ah, oh, maybe it hasn't worked out for him. Maybe at this point Frank got rid of him, and that's kind of unfair. And so it's not just, and oh my God, you know what a what a harsh career the kids had. Maybe at that point that's what you're thinking. No, no, Frank gives him bail again. Frank says, no, 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 Jack, we're in Manchester. We're going to keep it moving. You're going to be on our next show in Manchester. What show was that? Warrington versus Frampton. <laughs> right, so these are three big stages. We all agree, right? Jack Massey's been on three big stages. He's shared cards with God, the who's who of British boxing. And on this night, this was Williams versus Hefron, wasn't it? If I'm correct. I don't know, like, am I wrong? Martin Murray versus Hassan and Dam. I think this was like when Murray knew it was over. I mean, you got Lyndon Arthur, you got Billy Joe Saunders against Charles Adamu. You had all of that. You still didn't know who Jack Massey was. Do you even know who he fought? Don't worry, you can't pronounce his name and it was a six rounder. Five years into your career, you're fighting six rounders. Five and a half years into your career, you're fighting six rounders. That's not Dennis's fault. That's not nothing to do with Dennis. You're fighting six rounders. The previous fight, you fought an eight rounder. So you're not even fighting for area titles at this point. If Porky was sat next to me now, he'd be looking going, this guy's not even as good as Perry Howe right now, based on his record. This is Jack Massey. Who was managing him? Who was taking care of him? Who had his best interests at heart? Who was getting it so wrong that a golden talent is having six rounders five and a half years into their career? So now, and, that, you know, I've had, to, I've had to look into this just to verify this. But at this point, the people in the Warren organization, like, he ain't that good. He ain't that good. He ain't entertaining. It's all workmanlike. He hasn't got that pop that you need at this level. He's not destructive. He's not entertaining. There's nothing. There's, he's just, he's, he's almost bed blocking at this point. So they send him off to Blackburn to fight. Uh, I don't even know, man. It's a six rounder again. A six rounder. So whatever that mood music was, at this point, they've given him four or five fights. So they're like, right, thanks, but no thanks. Okay. So what does Jack Massey do? Loyal Jack Massey, who, who gives value back to his promoters and his people, right? This guy that gives value back, what does he do? Jump ship to Frank's arch nemesis, Eddie Hearn. So Jack jumps ship to Matchroom, Frank's arch nemesis. Taylor to 2019, Eddie's like, okay, I've got this next-gen show for legit next-geners, right? Jack Massey's not a next-gener. At this point, he's six and a bit years into his career. And it's like, okay, we'll give you a chance. If you can beat this kid, Riakpo, who's very raw, I mean, he's got a big right hand, but not much else. If you can beat this kid, mate, we'll sign you up and we'll push you through. You know, you know we look after guys like Chris Billum Smith too, so hey, there are opportunities here. That's, that's what goes back to, to, to Team Massey, I imagine. They can feel free to, to quote me on that. But there wasn't a lot of excitement around Jack Massey. 
he gets beaten, gets dropped, and it's... Is it a convincing win? No, but it's a win nonetheless for Richard Riakpo. It's, it's not a debatable win. So then Eddie's like, thanks, but no thanks. Right? Eddie does his garden shows. Jack Massey's not involved in any of them. So the, the writing's on the wall. Hearn doesn't see anything in Jack Massey. This is a, a guy who's prepared to take a gamble because he's done it with Fabio Wardley. And he's done it with Alan Babbage. Hearn is prepared to... He's prepared to gamble on you if he can make a return on you. And if he's not making a return on you, that's a bad sign. So you've gone from Frank Warren to Eddie Hearn. It hasn't worked out at Matchroom. Frank still takes you back and says, it's a pandemic. There's not a lot of boxing happening. There are definitely no crowds, but we're going to get some shows on. And we're going to put you on a card. We're going to put you on. Joe Joyce versus Daniel Dubois. Bear in mind, like, at this point, Jack Massey's had a two and a half year run of either being on massive cards or headlining, right? So he was either on really massive cards or he headlined in Blackburn and he headlined with Richard Riakpour at your call, right? What more of a platform does a boxer need? How many chances do you need to seize the moment? So he fights whoever he fights. He fights someone we don't even know. And it's probably not even a 12-rounder yet. He hasn't fought a 12-rounder yet, I don't think. Because I think Riakpo was a 10-rounder. Or maybe that was a 12, actually. No, no, that was a 12. Because the scores were like 115, 113 or something. So that was a 12. But he's barely fought 12 rounds. Six or something years into his career. Bear in mind, at this point, kids have come out the 2016 Olympics in the winning titles. He hasn't fought for a single title. So he fights on that show. Underwhelms again. Underwhelms again. And I imagine Frank said, I told you, this kid ain't no good. He may be a good amateur. He may have all of that, but he ain't got it at this level. He hasn't got what we need. He's not a threat to anyone at this level. So in a pandemic, you're now you're basically off the two televised promoters Christmas card list because you just haven't delivered value. This isn't Dennis's fault. It's had nothing to do with Dennis. If you want to look at the pandemic in totality and say who really suffered, how about people like Jerome Stay Ready Campbell? How about guys like John Palata? Those guys who never really got airtime the way they should have I'd even put Linus in there didn't really get the airtime he should have there were loads of guys who were relatively inactive during the pandemic guys who had to get jobs became PTs were doing whatever they could another guy I want to mention and I think he deserves he did, Mo Garib Mo Garib 100 bouts did everything in the amateurs you're supposed to still hasn't fought hasn't fought in like three years Probably will never box again. Prince Patel struggled to get fights, had to go abroad here, there and everywhere. Umar Sadiq struggled to get a fight. Then look at what he had to do. Look at what Jermaine Brown had to do. Look at what those guys had to do and look at what Jack Massey was given during the pandemic. Given. How has he been hard done by? Who has he been hard done by? Who, who did him wrong? Please tell me. 
So in a pandemic, he was able to box in that first year of COVID. How many other boxers were able to do that? Not many, like I told you. Jermaine and Uma had to go abroad and they weren't the only ones that had to go abroad. Yeah, we can all agree on that. So, second year of COVID hits. And I remember messaging Dennis. And we're just going back and forth and we're talking about Jack Massey. And I said to Dennis, why did you sign him? And Dennis said, he said, tell, pal, I think I may have another Clinton here. And I was like, I can see it, but I also can't see it because Clinton Woods brought a city with him. Clinton Woods was not from Chapel the Firth. He wasn't from um, rural Derbyshire. So Clinton already had a reputation that preceded boxing, like his family was a serious family in Sheffield. So I get it stylistically in terms of them being quite functional. It's about fitness and strength and never giving up and all that stuff. I get it. But commercially, Jack Massey was never a Clinton Woods. But Dennis, and bear in mind, this is before Jack has fought for Dennis. Dennis said, I'd like to get him in the IBF rankings. I think we can push through that way and then maybe get close to a, a Bradis fight because I think Bradis had the belts at the time, right? That was where the, yeah, this is right at the beginning. I'd like to get him in the IBF rankings, get him top 15. Then we can look at that as a voluntary opportunity for Bradis. That'll be a nice fight. And then he's like, I think I can get him the WBO title shot. Okay, so bear in mind everything I've told you so far about Jack Massey, having done nothing as a professional. I'll repeat that, nothing as a professional. In 2021, Dennis Hobson has offered him an IBF ranking and an IBO title. Would you take that? You've had, whatever management you've had, whatever promotion you've had before, whatever people you've got around you, they've never delivered this for you. They didn't deliver you an IBF ranking. They didn't deliver you an IBO world title. Dennis did. That's exactly what Dennis did. He promised it and he delivered it. Why wouldn't you be loyal to that? Why wouldn't you have sympathy for that? Now, what you need to understand is you got to pay people like sanctioning fees, officials, for, for these title shots, for these to be sanctioned by the sanctioning bodies. Like they have people that come over. These things are expensive. Those lockdown shows were costing Dennis money, but it was an investment for him because he said, I'm just trying to get Jack in position so that when everything calms down again, we get back to normal. Jack's one of the five best cruiserweights on the planet. Now we can make the fights. Now we can all make money. This is Dennis Hobson's message. I don't mind taking a hit in 2021. As long as when this all calms down, Jack's primed and ready to go. Okay. That's what happened. And, and you can dispute this as much as you want. What happened to Jack Massey in 2021? He won the IBF European, gave him an IBF ranking. He won the IBO world title at Cruiserweight, gave him that world title. He did everything he said he was going to do. He delivered on his promise. Isn't that what you want from your promoter? He's done his end of the bargain. Are you going to make a, a ton of money off that? No, it's a lockdown. Like you, you're doing shows in car parks and whatnot. You're not going to make the money. And 
if you've listened to Steve Goodwin talk about the struggles he had during the pandemic, you'll understand how hard it was to break even. So Jack Massey didn't absorb those losses. Dennis did. Dennis absorbed all those losses. Because remember, if you're paying your guys a percentage, I mean, they don't lose. No one loses. Dennis lost. Because he had to shell out for everything. So Dennis is like, well, 2022, we get Jack in big fights. We can move this forward, right? And that's when the energy was like, yeah, how about Jack versus Isaac? It sounded like a good fight. Isaac was like, I want to fight Jack Massey. I've got the messages on my phone. Isaac, we had phone calls about this. Isaac was like, this is easy work for me. Jack Massey's easy work for me. I'll take that IBO title and then he'll go hunting for whoever, right? And if you don't believe me, Isaac wanted to get the IBO belt off Kevin Lorena. That's where he wanted to get the belt before Lorena moved up. So 2022, I know the fights that Dennis was looking to make. The Billum Smith fight was there to be made, right? So bear in mind, from 2017, Jack has boxed every year. More than once in most years. 2021, he boxed twice. I think it was Ju- July and November. He boxed in April 2022. Mark time fight. Do you know what I mean? Just a fight to go, okay, cool. Let's keep you active because things are now opening up. Then we need to get you into those big fights. Where were the big fights? Now, if you're saying to me, well, Dennis couldn't make those fights happen. I'm like, well, if he could make an IBO title happen, I'm sure he can make a fight happen with a Luke Watkins. We'll watch that as long as you're building. You know, so I'm struggling to understand how Jack Massey's been hard done by. What are the promotional issues Jack Massey has had? Because he's fought regularly his whole career. He just hasn't set the world alight. And everyone has thought they can figure out what's going wrong. The reality is he's not that good as a pro. I thought he would be. I did. And I said it numerous times. I thought when Dennis signed him, I said, this is the best unsigned boxer that's available right now. And you'd have thought after being jettisoned by the two leading promoters in this country, Jack Massey would say, do you know what, Den, you and I have a point to prove. Instead, what happened? His Mr. 25% Kevin Marie is like, we're going to use Dennis Hobson as a stepping stone. They were actually going to take the ranking and the belt to Sky. That's how long ago these conversations were happening. How can we get on to Sky? I'm not going to blame Ben Schlum for this at this point, because I don't think it's Ben's fault. I think Kevin was throwing Jack at Sky. Oh, we've got these belts. That's why they still talk about him being IBO champion. He's not. The belt got taken off him because Dennis was like, hey, you're not going to disrespect me and get away with it. So that's what you ended up with. Dennis did more for his career than anybody else has done. And Jack Massey says he had promotional issues. Come out and tell us what the promotional issues were. Because from what I can see, a promoter gets you fights and he got you fights in a pandemic and after. And then you went missing. 
eight months and nothing. If you're telling me that Dennis Hobson, a man who needed to see a return on his money, was just going to shelve you, that's ridiculous. It's not like Den to shelve anyone. He, if he can get you out, he'll get you out. So what were the promotional issues? If it's a money thing, show me your purses. Show me anyone who's paid Jack Massey 100 grand before. You're fighting six rounders. You're fighting eight rounders. You mean at a push, you're fighting 10 rounders. Isn't the fight with Parker a 10 rounder? You're still not serious enough to do 12 rounds. So all this talk about I'm on to bigger and better things. No. Why I'm upset is you can't, you can't drag Dennis's name through the mud for, not for Jack Massey. Not when he put his hand in his pocket, him and Steve Crump put their hand in their pocket. You can't drag his name through the mud. And I'm saying this because there are tons of Jack Masseys out there who come out with these sob stories about how life has treated them badly. But then you look at their career and you're like, you've been on every platform and you've managed to blow it. Scott Fitzgerald. You, you, at some point, you'll hear the sob story from Scott Fitzgerald, but what has he not been given? But he blew that. These sob stories have to stop unless you're prepared to provide receipts and evidence to say, look, this is what went wrong. I just know from what I heard, Kevin Marie used Dennis as a stepping stone. Frank's door was closed. Eddie's door was closed. When that sky door opened, Kevin was like, if we can just get this IBF and this IBO situation nailed, we can go to sky. Yeah, I'm going to just finagle this paperwork right here. And we're gone. No loyalty to the guy that gave you your best moments in your career. No loyalty. None. Now, now for balance... Do I believe Dennis Hobson could deliver the fights that Ben Shalom could? No, I don't. I don't think Fight Zone is a big enough platform to be handing out six-figure purses. And you'd only do that if you could make at least 90% of that back. <laughs> You're promoting Jack Massey. It's hard. You have to maneuver him into a purse bid situation, into a pseudo-unification, depending on whether people take the IBO seriously. That sort of thing. Yeah, with Jack, you're looking to latch onto a bigger name. That's why the Chamberlain fight would have been good for, for everyone involved. Why didn't that happen? Let the people involved answer that. So I can understand when someone says Dennis ain't got the money, but let's also remember Sky aren't paying billions to people. That's why you're not seeing a lot of world title fights on Sky. Because they're trying to do this as economically as they can. And then any, anything of value where world titles are at stake you move that onto a pay-per-view platform. Their, their model's pretty solid. But let's come back to the point. If you're going to criticize Dennis, that's your only thing. Were Dennis's pockets deep enough to make the fights that Dennis was hoping to make? Porky will ask him that when he gets him back on. I will say this without fear of being contradicted, without fear of being exposed. I will say this. Dennis did everything he said he would do for Jack. He did. And morally, those guys have to make it right by Dennis. 
However they want to do that, they can negotiate that. But this idea that you just walk away from someone who put their hand in their pocket to help you, come on, man. As boxing fans, are we going to tolerate that? Are we accepting that? Is, is this what the sport is set to become? Is this what the sport's set to become? Because you have to remember, by the time Dennis got hold of Jack Massey, he'd been a pro for, what, eight years? And in those eight years, what had he done? Pint of beer for anyone who can tell me something meaningful that he had done as a pro prior to, prior to Dennis Hobson. Jack Massey was famous for being dropped by Richard Riakpo. That's what everyone talks about, mate, your Riakpo fight. And people ask about a rematch. You need a rematch for. So like Richard got worse since that fight. Like, jeez. <laughs> There's an entitlement within boxing that doesn't make any sense. It's not just Jack Massey. It's guys like Danny Connor who believe that boxing is this piggy bank that they can raid whenever they want. And you, the fans, have no choice but to put money in. Because you are boxing fans, they are boxers, therefore you give them money. It's almost like a bullying relationship. And then when you say, I don't want to spend money on you, you're a hater. You're not a real fan. You're a plastic fan. They try and demean you because you don't want to spend your money on them simply because they've never delivered value for you. These boxers are all entitled. Disrespectfully so. So don't be afraid to stick a middle finger up at a boxer and say, I don't have to do anything for you because you've done nothing for me. As boxing fans, let's, let, let, let's sort of park Team Massey to the side, like the people from Chapel of Firth, Buxton, that kind of A57 crew. Let's just park them to the side for a bit. Who really cares about Jack Massey? Well, let me refer. Who cared about Jack Massey before this Parker fight gave you that David and Goliath scenario? Who really cared? How many people, apart from hardcores, are like, do you know what? I haven't seen that Jack Massey for a while. Like, he, he hasn't given me a really mediocre eight-rounder for a long time. So that brings us to, to the Eubank-Smith undercard. Now Jack Massey's going to fight Joseph Parker. If you're Joe Parker, you're laughing your head off because I'm sure he's got guarantees in his Sky contract, right, how much he will earn per fight. And they're basically paying this guy to beat his sparring partner. Joseph Parker will come into that fight 15 to 20 pounds heavier than Jack Massey. And not like a, and it won't even be like a flabby 15 or 20 pounds. It'll be like grown man 15 or 20 pounds. He will weigh 10% more than Jack Massey at an elite level. Think about it from Joe Parker's perspective. You don't have to take Dillian White shots. You don't have to take Joe Joyce punches. You're taking Jack Massey shots. You take that all day. I'm surprised Parker didn't ask for this to be a 20 rounder. No, yeah, I'll take these all day. This is the thing people forget. They're talking about Jack has a chance. I'm like... Jack has to hit someone heavier than he's ever boxed competitively before. He has to then sustain that round after, after round, even as a guy who has an okay chin. It's not an amazing chin, but Joe Parker's tough and resilient enough that I'm confident that he can do the distance against Jack Massey. And he's not fighting Joe Parker. 
So he doesn't have to skirt around. He's not fighting Joe Joyce, sorry. He doesn't have to skirt around the edge of the ring. He can stay in the middle and bully Jack Massey about. I don't know if Jack's got the legs at a heavier weight to be running around Joseph Parker. I can see Joe just bludgeoning him, just going, I, I will literally break you down. I'm not going to try and knock you out. I'm going to break you down and you will almost retire. They'll just pull you out. Because this Parker fight's not about anything else other than shameless opportunism. This is an analogy that I can think of is like Kelbrook Golovkin. If Charlie Schofield in the corner sees Jack taking a hiding, they'll throw the towel in and they'll say, look, look how brave he was. He did everything he could. And then they'll start talking about, I don't see why Jack can't fight for the British after Chamberlain Lawal. I don't see why he can't fight for the European against Chris Bidham Smith. I don't see why he can't have the rematch against Riak Paul. I don't see why Jack Massey can't be Okoli's first fight back. You're going to hear all of this nonsense, but the truth is you're going to be so underwhelmed by Massey's performance that you'll just be like, oh, man, go back to boxing in Blackburn. So this is all part of a strategy. It was like, let's sack Dennis off. Let's jump on the sky thing and milk this for what we can. Like we milked Frank Warren. Like we tried to milk Eddie Hearn. The difference was Eddie didn't fall for it. Credit where credit's due. Eddie said, you got one fight to prove you're worthy of being on Matchroom. He couldn't. Eddie said, thanks, but no thanks. Frank probably did the same thing. You got one fight to show me you're better than the last time you are here stinking the place out. He couldn't do that. Dennis, being Dennis, the guy who wanted to sign Frankie Gavin at one point. <laughs> Dennis was like, I'll give you an opportunity. Kevin Marie and Jack are like, whoo, we found one here. And they took the piss. Now, once again, for balance, I'm sure there's a Jack Massey story on the other side that needs to be heard. And I'm all ears. If Dave Massey wants to call me and explain it, I'm happy to offer a counter-argument. You know what I mean? Like, yes, friends with Dennis, but I want to get to the bottom of this because I don't understand how something that should have worked hasn't worked. This should have worked. They should have just ridden that underdog thing all the way to wherever because they could have been in Australia fighting the guy that beat Braders, that Jay Opetia. They, they could have been doing that. But like I said, history has shown, and I've explained it in this whole episode, whoever's around Jack Massey have done him wrong every year of his career. This will be no different. Parker will beat the brakes off him. And Parker will say, you need to understand you can't play around with heavyweights. Parker will beat the brakes off him. And when Parker beats the brakes off him, there'll be nothing left. There'll be nothing left. That's why you're not hearing Kevin Marie talk about we've signed a long-term agreement. I don't believe they have. I think this is a, <laughs> mate, you've stunk on other people's fucking shows. Show us that you've got something different here. And here's something that no one talks about. If you look at Jack Massey, they always talk about how tall Jack Massey is. And that's all well and good. But here's the, here's the thing I always notice. He's very narrow and his neck's very long and his head's very long. He's got that kind of Kirk Garviness to him where they just look fragile. Yes, you can have muscle, you can look all, but he looks fragile. His face doesn't look very, like, like it's been, and I mean, it's almost like he looks like he's 15. That's what he looks like. He looks like he's 15. 
Joe Parker looks like a guy who's probably bounced biker pubs before. That's what he looks like. Joe Parker looks like a guy where you're like, you may not be the greatest boxer of all time, but I have a feeling you could have a street fight. So there are a number of things as well, like the shortened camp, like psychologically, physically, are you actually comfortable going in there with someone who's just heavier than you? And it's not like Parker's immobile either. He's mobile enough to cause trouble. Are you comfortable doing that? You know, your trainer, Bobby Rimmer Jr. is not there. So it's Charlie Schofield doing it now. And yes, there's familiarity, but is there enough respect that you're prepared to follow this guy to the ends of the earth? I don't know. There are a lot of what ifs here, but I know Charlie Schofield will have that white towel over his shoulder. Feel free to, to tweet the picture of him with the white towel over his shoulder, probably after about round three. Jack Massey will be one of those guys. And I take, I take no pride in saying this. And, and another example of this would be a good friend of mine, Andre Sterling, where the boxing machine just glitched on you. you know, but to give Andre his due, Andre was English champion. Like Andre won belts. It's just that he never, he never got that run where he could fight other people. He was always in there to... I mean, he's always in competitive fights. You'd like to have seen him get, get a few of these soft touches that other people get, like a Joel McIntyre. And I, I say soft relative to who, who the options were. And I always say that the boxing business did Andre Sterling wrong. I also don't know if Andre fully invested in the business side of it. And I feel the same about Jack. Except with Jack, I don't think Jack even invested in the boxing side of it. Like, mate, make your style exciting. Try and take people out. Yeah. There's no, I mean, like, try and take good people out, not, not these journeymen that they set you up with. But I think on Saturday, you're going to see Parker just bludgeon the kid, because why wouldn't you? You're not going to be scared of what comes back. I just, yeah, I'm just of the view that this will be one-sided, and then when this fight's done, the lawyers will have their say. So this whole move... Um, talking about life-changing money, you may not get to see that life-changing money. You may have to keep fighting to pay Dennis back. I don't know. But one thing I will say is, in all of these sob stories and people with their bleeding hearts and stuff, don't buy a word of it. Don't buy this, I had a rough year last year because of promotional issues. No, you boxed. You know who didn't box? John Pilata didn't box. You know how many times he was meant to have fought David Adelaide and the, their side said, <laughs> hell no. You ain't going to give us a guy that can move and groove. Then he was meant to fight Dominic. That fell through. There were so many fights that John was meant to have and John said yes to. <laughs> and they all seemed to disappear when they realized this guy stays in shape, stays training. Meanwhile, Jack got to box. Big cards, car parks, didn't matter. Got to box. There's nothing else you could have given Jack Massey to be a star other than the opportunities and the platforms he's been given and he failed to grasp them. Whether that's on him, whether that's on his team, whether that's on whoever, I don't know. This is a guy 
who's just playing off a sob story to disguise the fact that when, when the light was on him, he went missing. This isn't Dennis Hobson's fault. It wasn't in 2013. It wasn't in 2014. It wasn't in 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Let's hear what the facts are. So all of those years unaccounted for. Why? Hold the man accountable. Don't be out here feeling sorry for someone because they're giving you a sob story. What, what has he done for himself? What was Jack Massey done for himself? All those times he said he wasn't active. What podcast was he doing? What videos was he doing? What social media content was he doing? Nothing. You want to feel sorry for a guy who's not giving back? <laughs> okay, that's on you. But I, 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 like I've said, I know what Dennis promised him and I know what Dennis delivered. What did Jack deliver? Betrayal. Betrayal.